You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Joshua Hunter, a Medicare specialist at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're excited to be chatting with David Lipschitz with the Associate Director and Senior Policy Attorney for the Center for Medicare Advocacy. Welcome, David. Thanks, Josh. Happy to be here. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. And you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, I know there are a lot of things moving and shaking in the Medicare world, and we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come talk with us. Uh, The first question I wanted to kind of let you expound upon is uh, information about this Inflation Reduction Act. So how does the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 impact Medicare? Sure. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for the question. So if, if you remember back to last year, there was a lot of debate in Congress about making really transformational changes to healthcare and health coverage. And at right. one point, we were talking about you know adding uh, dental vision hearing benefits, prescription drug improvements, improving Medigap rights, and a host of other things in the Medicare program. And we also know that that didn't quite happen. But then, out of the ashes of that debate, around the the Build Back Better Act last year came the Inflation Reduction Act, or the IRA, uh, earlier this year that, when it comes to Medicare, included a number of prescription drug changes that are transformational by themselves. So, in short, we didn't get as everything that we wanted that was discussed last year, but these changes are still huge. And, And in short, what the IRA is going to do is it is really one of the first attempts by the Medicare program to tackle the high cost of prescription drugs. So it's going to give the Medicare program the ability to negotiate with drug manufacturers uh, for the price of some, but not all, Part D and Part B drugs. And those wow. prices will be effective you know, starting in 2026. But there are other changes that uh, are coming much sooner. That includes an out-of-pocket cap on Part D drugs uh, for you know all Part D enrollees at two thousand dollars a year in 2025 and 2024. Uh, cost sharing above what's now the catastrophic level uh, is going to be eliminated. At the same time, um, uh, eligibility for the extra help or Part D low-income subsidy is going to be increased, and then. Really, starting next year in, in 2023, um, very shortly from now, co-payments for monthly cost of insulin will be capped at $35. Wow, and, and I know that's that's a big deal for beneficiaries. That's something people have complained about forever. Absolutely, it's it's a huge deal. And just a, a quick note for Part D drug coverage of insulin. That cap starts right away, January 1 of 2023. 
when it comes to part B, as in boy, covered insulin, say through a piece of durable medical equipment, you know, a pump, something like that, mm-hmm. that cap kicks in July 1st of 2023. So there is a little delay uh, for that cap if you are getting your insulin through, you know, durable medical equipment, but that cap will still take effect next year. I see. So it's really important for our listeners to understand that not all of the provisions of the IRA are going into effect in 2023, right? Exactly. Exactly. So the the stuff that's taking effect right away, you know, the insulin caps with that caveat of some of it taking effect in, in July, but also starting January 1st, cost sharing for adult vaccines covered under Part D will also be eliminated and you don't have to meet the deductible before that kicks in. And and I know a lot of people are concerned, for example, the, the cost of the shingles vaccine is, is one that's often cited. Yes. Um, that kicks in right away. And then also right away, starting starting next year, there's stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, out of view of the beneficiary, but will nonetheless check the annual increase in the cost of prescription drugs. Some of these you know, tools that the Medicare program will have to try to address the high cost of drug kick in uh, right away and will limit how much drug companies can raise the, the prices of their drugs on an annual basis. Right. And that's definitely good news for, for beneficiaries, right? It's not just something that's going to affect providers. This should directly impact the wallets of, of people who use Medicare. Absolutely. And, and some of these provisions might spill over outside of the Medicare space. You know, some of the ways that the costs are being analyzed, some of the, the checks on the increase in the cost of prescription drugs could, you know, reap benefits uh, for folks who don't have Medicare, but who have other types of insurance. But, you know, I do have to note a caveat when, when Congress was passing the IRA, there was an attempt to make those insulin monthly copay uh, caps applicable to other types of insurance, but that provision failed. But I know that, you know, there are still efforts to try to get that done eventually. Probably won't won't be right away. Yeah, still a good advocacy point. Okay, well, let me move on to my next question here for you. So what piece of advice would you want to give beneficiaries about the Inflation Reduction Act as a whole? Is there any one big takeaway or, or something you would like to say? Uh, yeah, thank you for that opportunity. I, I would say that this is a big deal. It um, Some of the benefits kick in right away. Others, you know, it's going to take a little while to ramp up. But, you know, in a little over uh, a year, you, the 5% coinsurance that people have to pay uh, beyond what Part D will cover is going to go away. And then the following year, you know, the cap altogether is lowered. But uh, as we speak, there are already efforts to undermine this law and promises of trying to repeal it uh, and, you know, gum up the works when it comes to the process of Medicare actually negotiating prescription drug prices. So one thing I would say is, is in addition to like taking a look at at how it's going to, you know, uh, affect you individually, take a look at what your elected officials are going to do too. And, and, you know, if, if it's okay to say this <laughs> from where we sit, you know, we, we encourage people to try to hold on to this significant improvement if you can. Right. We're definitely in the business here of advocating for people on Medicare, right? And there are some, there are some good pieces to this that'll make a huge difference. There's a lot of good pieces to this. Absolutely. Okay. 
So tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, about the Benny's Act and, and how does that impact Medicare beneficiaries for this coming year? Sure. So, you know, you know, Josh, working with Medicare beneficiaries, that there are all sorts of pitfalls that people encounter uh, right. when they try to enroll in Medicare, you know, parts A and B when they're when they're initially eligible. And oftentimes people don't pick up uh, part B of Medicare, you know, when they're first eligible. And, and as you know, the, you know, the, the rules are a little complicated as far as when you can have, you know, employer-based coverage that serves as primary and when it's not primary. But what, what the Benny's Act is, is it was part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act that was signed into law in late uh, 2020. And what it will do, effective January 2023, is it will fill some, but not all, of those pitfalls that beneficiaries encounter. So specifically, what it'll do is, you know, when someone first enrolls for Medicare, there's that initial enrollment period, you know, the seven months surrounding your uh, 65th birthday, say, or or after you've been getting SSDI for two years, you know, three months before exactly. the month of eligibility, three months after, as, as you know well. If, if someone waits until the end of that period, there could be, you know, a couple month or longer delay in when your Part B is effective. Similarly, if you delay enrollment in Part B and you um, don't take advantage or you don't have a, a special enrollment period right to pick up Part B because you had, you know, employer-based coverage that was appropriately primary, then you're, you're limited to the, as you know, the general enrollment period, January through March of a calendar year to try to pick up Part B. But, but even when you enroll in that time, it's not effective until the following July. So there are potentially huge gaps in coverage. And I know you've talked to folks who, who have faced these gaps in coverage. Oh, so what the sure. Benny's, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure you talk to them all the time. So what the Benny's Act does is for those two enrollment periods, the initial enrollment period and the general enrollment period, it makes your coverage effective the month after you enroll. So that what that means is, you know, you wow. enroll the initial enrollment period, uh, your coverage will be effective the following month. You enroll in the general enrollment period. Instead of waiting all the way until July, your coverage will be, you know, effective the following month. That's going to help a lot. It doesn't, it's not going to fix all the problems, including folks who, you know, miss that general enrollment period altogether, but well, it certainly goes a long way, you know, towards helping Folks well, that, that can situation. make a huge deal, and I think a lot of people may get it mixed up on how that can affect penalties for individuals who did not take that Part B when they initially enrolled, because um, that's calculated mm -hmm. on an annual basis. So those additional months, that waiting period between the general enrollment period and that upcoming July could tick over another penalty. Right. Um, that's a big Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, one more thing, if I could say about that Benny's Act is – the, the, the bill gave CMS, you know, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, you know, the, the agency that runs the Medicare program, it gave them discretion to establish new special enrollment periods for Parts A and B of Medicare. In, in wow. dealing with Medicare stuff, you know that, that there are a ton of, of special enrollment periods related to Part D coverage or Medicare Advantage coverage, but they're fairly limited when it comes to A and B. So as we speak today, we are still awaiting finalization of a rule that CMS proposed that 
um, would significantly improve people's rights to pick up uh, Part B outside of those normal time frames. It would strengthen special enrollment period rights. But at this point, we just don't know what that final rule uh, looks like. So some, something for folks to, to pay attention to once it's final. Yeah. yeah, we're not just sure exactly how far that'll, that'll span yet, but we'll keep an eye out on it. Okay. Um, well, I appreciate that. that. was a good addition. Can you give me any updates on the observation status case and, and what that means? Sure. So, and again, as, as you know, sometimes when people go to the hospital, um, they are not formally admitted as inpatients and instead are under observation. Uh, and people in that situation could be getting the same kind of care everyone else is getting, you know, the same type of procedures. And on the face of it, it doesn't really matter from the beneficiary standpoint, but it does in large part because of eligibility for the Medicare Skilled Nursing Facility benefit. Right. In order to be eligible, yeah, for, for that benefit, among the requirements are you have to be an inpatient in a hospital for at least three days, at least three midnights. And people who are under observation status do not count as being inpatients. So you can be in a hospital for two days, three days, a week, two weeks. And if it's under observation status, you're not going to be eligible for the skilled nursing facility benefit in traditional Medicare because you will not be able to meet that three-day inpatient hospital requirement. So we saw a rise in hospitals using, you know, this observation status many years ago. And, you know, we're concerned about the impact that it had on beneficiaries. And, and there is no right to challenge that right now. So, in other words, if you're in the hospital, you find out you're on observation status, you can't use the Medicare appeals process to say, wait a minute, I'm, you know, I should be an inpatient. Uh, I would like to challenge, you know, the what how the hospital is, has designated me. So, back in 2011, my organization, the Center for Medicare Advocacy, along with, you know, our partners at Justice and Aging, filed a lawsuit trying to, to challenge this use of observation status and pushing for an appeal right. And after many years <laughs> up and down, you know, the federal district court and, and appellate court, there's finally a decision in place that requires the Medicare program to create an appeals process for some, but not all of the people in observation status. And the distinction is, because of the way that the, the court uh, interpreted what it found to be a, a protected property interest in a Part A hospital stay, uh, only people who were admitted as an inpatient, but then that was changed by the hospital and are back to being outpatients, will have a right to appeal. In other words, the folks who are observation status all along under you know, the current proposal still will not have a right to appeal. But as it stands now, the Medicare program, uh, you know, has indicated that it will issue some rules about this. It's going to take a bit because it has to go through the normal notice and comment period. But there will be an appeal right established for some, but not all of the people in observation status. 
Well, even some is a win, right? Some some definitely beats none, right. and we hope they continue to push that. But that's something we need to keep an eye on. But that really covers, I think, a lot of material. It's definitely a lot for our listeners to digest and probably a decent enough starting place today. Is there anything else you would like to, to add, David? No, just, uh, you know, thank you for having me and thank you for the work that you all do there, helping you know people navigate all of this and all the other issues that that impact you know us as we age or you know we we uh, try to navigate <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> healthcare and, and other systems that we face. Well, well, of course, thank you for being here and helping us get some information out. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Takeus McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness and disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.